Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ascent Classical Academies is a growing network of tuition-free, K-12 charter schools where students are taught how to live independent, responsible, and joyful lives. Ascent Classical offers an American classical education that emphasizes a content-rich curriculum and virtues that have withstood the test of time. By looking to the past, studying ancient and modern civilizations, and learning from America's forefathers, students learn to promote and preserve the best of our American and Western traditions. Ascent Classical students have a well-trained mind and a generous heart preparing them to flourish in life as critical thinkers and virtuous citizens. Serve in the communities of Brighton, Grand Junction, Lone Tree, and Windsor, Colorado, Ascent Classical is hiring and enrolling for the 2023-2024 school year. Learn more about career opportunities, new student enrollment, and how to bring an Ascent Classical Academy to your community at ascentclassical.org. And welcome to Dwell, a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschooling moms by homeschooling moms. Welcome. We're glad to have you today. And before I introduce you to our guest and before we get into our topic this week, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, The Hearth. The Hearth is a Cersei community that, much like this show, is specifically for moms on the journey of pouring into their children through Christian classical education. And I've had the privilege of leading this community called The Hearth for the last two years. It has been a delight to get to know this new generation of homeschool moms and to to walk with them, to walk alongside them as they are learning more about how to become the best teacher they can be for their children. And um, in order for me to, to focus more on my Cersei apprenticeship role as a head mentor, I have turned The Hearth over to... The next leader of the hearth, the new leader of the hearth for this coming academic year is going to be Tanya Roselle. And we're really excited about welcoming Tanya on board. And she has some wonderful ideas that she is bringing with her to expand this program and to offer even more. And so we encourage you to look into that, to go to the website and, and to learn more about the hearth. 
We also are going to be having Tanya as a guest here on Dwell. Um, she's going to be with us in a couple of weeks. And so you'll get a chance to hear her in person and hear her heart for what she's going to be doing. So back to our regularly scheduled program. I'm here with Karen Kern, my co-host. Hello, Karen. How are you? Hi, Renee. Well, thanks. Do you want me to jump in here and introduce our guest? Yeah. All right. So today we have Heather Shirley with us. Heather is a very long time friend, dear friend of the Circe Institute of our family. And I know of you also, Renee. And so we're really happy to have Heather here with us today to share some of her wisdom. Heather comes from Kernersville, North Carolina. She is currently the CAO Emeritus for Classical Conversations, and um, she is a head mentor in the Circe Apprenticeship, and we're really happy to have her today talking about math and her um, personal life. She, um, Her husband's name is Ed, and they have three adult children, one of whom is married, and one of whom, um, the youngest, Caleb, is actually coming home soon from Kuwait, and she will get to re- be reunited from him with him early next week. So I know that's really exciting for you, Heather, and um, we're happy to have you here today, like I mentioned, talking about math. And so we are eager to hear your own homeschooling journey about teaching math to your children when they were young, and um, probably other people's children too. And um, so jump in here. And tell us about yourself and your family and your homeschooling journey. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Renee. Uh, good to be with you, ladies. And um, yes, we've had a lot of years and a lot of conversations about learning and education. So, um, yeah, I, I began homeschooling my kids in 2000, well, about, yeah, 2000, <clears throat> and have graduated um, the three of them from homeschooling and and my son got married a couple of years ago, one of my sons, and then my other son's in Kuwait. And my daughter works for um, a company that does sports fitness analytics on, on the wrist band thing. So I, she tries to talk me into getting one of these contraptions that measure my sleep and all that stuff. But I don't do that right now. I don't need to measure those things right now. Um, so we'll talk about math in other ways that maybe we um, want to talk about measurement. But I've, I've, I've resisted the urge to, to measure uh, with the wristband right now. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, we, we decided to homeschool um, early on. My uh, grandmother and my mother both taught at universities. My grandmother taught at Indiana University. My mother taught at uh, University of Louisville. So I come from a little bit of a line of, you know, of of women that like to teach in the higher university. And, um, and so my grandmother taught nursing and my mom actually taught mathematics at the university of Louisville. And so, um, math has been part of our family, um, and our conversations for a lot of years. Um, I ended up going to university of Louisville to make my mom proud and, um, joined their engineering program and got my degree in mathematics and computer engineering. So when we came into homeschooling, um, I, you know, I, I, I felt, uh, that mathematics was familiar. I mean, uh, goodness, I had lots of hours of, of mathematics studies, um, but I wasn't necessarily sure if I understood kind of the deeper beauty of mathematics and then and then how to teach it. You can know something yourself, but really not do well in, in sharing it and teaching it to other to others. So um, so that was definitely part of the learning journey for me as a homeschool mom was how with a subject that I felt comfortable with, but 
how was I going to teach it to someone else? And, and what were some ways that um, I could grow and learn in teaching that would enable me to pass on um, kind of this, this realm of mathematics to, um, to my children. So to some degree. Um, so how old was your oldest when you started homeschooling? He was um, four. Okay. So yes, from, yes. from the get go, you yes. been homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so was teaching math, you know, to the, in the very early years, was that just part of your daily life? You know, mm-hmm. you would be counting things and it, it, it was just very natural. It didn't feel like something that you had to go out and, I don't know, purchase a curriculum mm-hmm. for and, and make it a big deal. It was just part mm-hmm. of the thing you talked about. Well, I'd love to hear your all's journey with, yeah, with mathematics too. But no, it definitely started with me with, I'm going to have um, a curriculum by subject, by grade level for all of my children starting very young. (laughs) So I was going to replicate, um, you know, kind of the system that I came out of, which was the public school system and, and to have a book for every age, for every subject, um, you know, as a homeschool mom, I definitely began there. Um, And that quickly became, um, a bit overwhelming as a homeschool mom. I was trying to replicate a model that was really made for mass education where kids are made by their manufacturer. Their manufacture date is what you slot them in, in the school. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was in a family setting where we could sit at the table and we could talk about things. Um, uh, we could talk about language. We could talk about uh, literature. We could talk about mathematics at a table with all sorts of ages engaging. And so it was an, un. I had to kind of have an un, wiring of how to think about um, learning and teaching with my kids and moving away from kind of this assembly line, accidental embedded assembly line model in my head and the metaphor of that to more like a garden um, and trying to, trying to, you know, kind of uh, reorient myself on, on how to grow and learn with the kids. So I would have to say, Karen, yes, when we started, we, I was very workbook driven. And then by the time my oldest was seven and we were both crying regularly um, you know, in, in, you know, almost more days, mathematically, definitely more than 50% of our days were spent um, with tears. And so I figured there's something that needed to change. So that desperation kind of put me on a path to, to seek um, ways of teaching in general, that moves away from a, a manufacturer model, to something that moves something to a more natural, um, the world that God's created is his classroom. And how do I, how do I bring teaching and learning to, to the everyday life in the world that we encounter and not to an artificial um, or merely an artificial uh, two-dimensional piece of paper and um, sitting at a table for long periods of time. So, so Heather, I want to say that makes me so happy. <laughs> it doesn't make me happy that you cried because we have put in our share of tears as well. <laughs> I want the homeschool moms who are listening right now to think and who think, well, I couldn't homeschool or I can't homeschool this subject because I don't know this subject. Mm. And to hear from you, an engineer mm. who struggled just like we all struggle. So it's mm. not necessarily that we know the subject that is going to make us able to teach the subject. Mm. I, I would agree. What you've said is we have to totally reorient how we look at children and how we look at education and how we look at where God has placed us, i.e. around this kitchen table with these mm-hmm. little people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, the fact that you are a math person, you brought all of that to, to the table, literally. But um, <laughs> at the same time, 
you had a lot to learn too. Mm. Definitely had a lot to learn. And uh, yeah, thinking about being a math person and uh, as an engineer, I didn't feel like a literature person or a writing person or a poetry person, but yet all of these things are, they have relationship to one another. Um, when you write poetry, it is, it is the coming together of rhythm, number and uh, words. And so, so to learn that the world isn't a bunch of separate islands that are kind of like the six subjects that I had when I was in, uh, you know, my own educational journey and you ring the bell and you change. I mean, it's just like a factory. I mean, you, ch- you ring the bell and you change teachers. And so, um, so a lot of the world to me was very uh, separated, isolated. And maybe there were two or three subjects that I felt at home or more welcome in um, or had more hospitality in. And I had some subjects that I felt like a complete alien or outside of or in exile or just a complete foreigner. And, um, and so um, I appreciate when I meet folks that say mathematics was more of an exile experience for them or an alien experience. Um, and for me, it was literature and it was history and it was things with language. Um, and so, so I think part of this education as homeschool moms, as, as parents in general, no matter what your educational setting is, is kind of learning to, well, learning and, and trying to be in a posture to receive the world being more connected and and the history and mathematics and um, science and, and literature, these things actually can create a, help us understand the world and be in the world as a more whole person instead of maybe, um, you know, I would joke as an engineer and say part of my soul was missing until I could read Shakespeare or read the epics or mm-hmm. uh, even be able to sit down and, and write a little something, even though if I never wrote, you know, wrote like a, a great author, I still to slow down and to think in slow motion and learn how to write was important to me. So um, I, I really appreciate the moms that feel like mathematics is a, is just a strange um, island all the way out there and it's very far from them. And, um, and I'm hoping that maybe our conversation today can um, welcome some folks into to learning and to growing and not being quite so terrified and tearful. Oh, or at least happy tears every once in a while. So how did you get to the place where you can articulate all of that from mm. being at the table with your seven-year-old and you're both in tears? Mm. So you said you had to find another way of homeschooling, another way of doing this. And mm-hmm. what was it that you found and how did you find that? And, mm. you know, and in, and in answering that, how do you encourage a mother who's right there, mm. right where you were? Because, you know, I, I look on so many different um, homeschooling Facebook groups that I'm on. And that very question is right. Like, this is right where people, so many people are mm. with their mm. young children. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, well, I think I think one thing that is very hard to tell um probably most of us moms with our firstborns is that the environment that you're teaching your kids in, in a homeschool setting is, um, has beauties and gifts in it that are, that are harder to replicate, especially in a public mass um, classroom with 20, 30, 40, you know, students, depending on where you are. Um, And, 
and the co- cohesion and um, consistency of the teacher from subject to subject of the parent kind of being with the with the student from subject to subject or at least being involved in a lot of the energy going on with it um, it brings an incredible ability to integrate and to see what the student is seeing and what they're not seeing and and how to um, how to relax a little bit um, from having six separate teachers, six separate books, six separate subjects that don't, that the student doesn't get to see kind of integrated and, and brought together with a model, a living human model, which is what we homeschool moms are trying to, uh, you know, and parents in general, (laughs) we we do a lot of teaching at home, no matter the environment. But um, so to get, to get to that place, I had to kind of relax a little um, and, um, and try to find ways to grow myself and my own understanding of, of, um, you know, areas of learning. So with mathematics, I slowed down and, um, talked to some women, went to some free parent conferences and, um, and we learned, you know, there's basically, you know, four operations, maybe six, if you count exponentials. Um, and, and then the numbers just kind of that you move from whole numbers and then guess what? Not everything's a whole number. Numbers can be smaller than one. They can be, you know, they can be a, a mixed number. You can have a fraction of something, but you're still dealing with the same operations. And so, and then numbers can actually, you know, all of a sudden turn into letters when you get into algebra and you're starting to solve letters for numbers. And, um, and so, so trying to step back and get a bigger picture of, um, of, you know, kind of the simplicity of mathematics and not being quite so overwhelmed by there's 12 textbooks, K through 12 textbooks. I have no idea what the governing principle is um, among these textbooks that I'm supposed to be kind of moving along a path, um, except that this textbook's telling me that these are the lessons, but I, I can't quite see the the terrain that I'm trying to travel. Um, I'm just, I'm just taking the next step, not knowing where I'm going. And if I can't do the next step, then I must be um, not doing a good job or, or we, we must be stuck and we're really the exception. And, and that's not necessarily true. Textbooks are ecstatic. They can't talk to you. They can't interact with you. And so, uh, you know, for a long time, one of my self-talk tips was um, the textbook is, is not my taskmaster. It's my tool. It's going to be a tool for me, but it's not going to be my taskmaster. I don't serve the textbook. The textbook's going to, I'm going to figure out how to have it serve kind of our family and in the dynamics that, that we're in. So, um, so I think talking with other moms, learning a little bit more about the nature of math um, and learning that there's really just a few operations and then the kinds of numbers change. Um, that was a beginning point with me for some of the, um, for, for some of the mathematical thinking. And, um, and then, you know, just trying to, uh, not be quite so uh, driven by uh, my child needs to have calculus by the time he graduates high school um, and really releasing some of this, um, releasing some of that. So my, my oldest son, you know, did more worksheets when he was younger, firstborns. There's a reason why I think in the Old Testament, they get the inheritance because, I mean, bless their hearts. They really have to endure quite a bit with us. Um, but uh but, you know, he did a lot more worksheets. Um, my daughter, uh, my daughter taught herself. She was just, uh, you know, a lot of the way education to me is shaped today or the expectations are really driven 
for a girl that likes to sit and write. Um, and so to really, to, to allow her to enjoy that. But, uh, but then my youngest son, he was a gymnast and a physical guy and stood on his head more often than he stood on his feet for a long time. And so, um, you know, we, we, I started worksheets with him much later. I started, you know, more like toward pre-algebra. I didn't worry about third, fourth, fifth grade, having all these worksheets that we're working through. I did, Karen, kind of move to something that you mentioned earlier. We were working in the kitchen. We're measuring things out to put, you know, things in the yard. Um, I tried to be much more connected with the creation and the patterns and the shapes and the proportions there and develop more curiosity and a sense of wonder where I think initially with my firstborn, I think I, I probably killed and, you know, stabbed out the sense of wonder for at least two good years. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, Heather, that's something that um, as you're talking and I'm thinking, you know, at first it might seem like, well, how do we connect math to other subjects? Because math seems like it's its own thing. And mm, it's all by mm. But if we think about one of our tasks as moms is to to teach our children how to have dominion over the mm. areas as they grow that God has given mm. them. So when we learn fractions and we can learn measuring cups and teaspoons and tablespoons, that gives mm. us dominion in the kitchen. Mm. When we learn to use a clock that and a calendar, that gives us dominion over our schedules and over mm. our ability in our days. Um, when we mm. learn, right, that gives us dominion over saving money, spending wisely, you know, taking care and stewarding that part mm -hmm. of our business. Um, and then, you know, even back to fractions again and measuring tapes and wrench sizes and tools mm -hmm. and work. Right? All of those are practical applications of, of math and numbers that can definitely reach the hearts of some children that might not be reached with a worksheet. Yeah, and it, sure. and it takes it out of the it takes it out of the realm of all abstract. And mm -hmm. like you were saying, Heather, that um in a homeschool it offers beauties that you can't you can't, you know, attain in a big classroom. And and that is so true because in a classroom you can't have it's just, you know, yeah, I suppose you could, but it would create chaos to have everybody with a set of measuring spoons and you know. <laughs> measuring cups and measuring things which would it, it's it makes the learning so hands-on and when you when you know I have my grandchildren here baking with me and they can actually see mm. half a cup is half of a whole cup but mm -hmm. when it's only on a worksheet and it's yeah. only abstract they mm. don't you don't you it doesn't connect with other areas of your life and you don't remember it the same no for sure. It's like something you're trying to memorize, but you don't have, you don't have something hands-on to connect it to. Mm -hmm. like I think the younger, the younger the child, right? I think the younger the child, the more the five senses that we've been given are really important to hone, cultivate, and and to interact with the world. And if we, if our education's too heavy in the abs, let's call it the abstract, or maybe just in the mind, or just in the intellect, too early. Um, it, it can it can almost kind of detach us a little bit from our bodies. And so really, uh, they've got very active young bodies. So take advantage of it when they're young and get out and yeah, do the nature walks, get out, use the energy, um, you know, let them swim in a pool and a pH balance a pool. They're doing chemistry. Um, and so, you know, it's um, trying to really utilize the whole human being. Um, the younger the child, the more abstract thought can come, um, you know, when it comes in 
mystery and when it comes as, as you mature and get older. But to be rooted with a body to me is really important. To me, it's one of the essences of the Christian education is that, you know, the Christ came incarnate. He came in the body. And when he when he taught, you know, he used parables, he used everyday parables, the sheep and the coin and the the mustard seed. And so we need the kids to have such rich experiences in the science um, and math preparation um, when they're young. Preparing them for good science and good math is rooted in the natural world and having plenty of experiences with the five senses. So, Heather, was there a particular um, book mm -hmm. or resource that really helped guide you along your mm -hmm. journey? Um, you know, I think at different stages and phases, there, there were, um, I got early on, I, I secured one book that was like from counting to calculus, uh, because I just wanted to get a catch. I wanted to get a vision for like, what are, how are these things related across K through 12? I just want to get some of the ideas, some of the concepts so that I can be driven more by, um, my student kind of apprehending, um, the, um, ideas and not just merely being somebody who can calculate well in a paradigm of long division or solving for one unknown or two unknowns or three unknowns or finding the derivative or the integral. I really wanted the mathematics experience to be, you know, a little bit bigger than that. So the mathematics from counting to calculus was helpful for me as a homeschool mom to give me a little bit better vision of how these bigger pieces fit together that I experienced. And I could look back on, um, especially, um, you know, thinking through the high school years in particular. Um, and then I read a couple other books that really, as an engineer, some of the mystery of math was not very present. <laughs> it was it was pretty practical, uh, pretty utilitarian, um, and uh, which is really quite amazing because the natural world has such rhythms and patterns that we can discover so much, and and the mathematical abilities are pretty um, amazing. But I really wanted to get to to see mathematics more connected with the bigger picture of life and. The bigger picture of reality. And so um, another book I picked up was Mathematics is God Silent. Where is God in math? How, do, how, does, how does mathematics and God, how can I begin to think about them in, in ways that could be helpful? Um, and so again, I, I really, as an engineer coming out of a, a situation where I was comfortable with the calculation kind of parts and the paradigms of calculations, I really wanted to infuse the study of math with a bit more wonder and a bit more um, uh, beauty. Um, and then the third book that I, that I looked at once my kids were in high school, I was also in classical conversations at the time we were, we were wrestling with the uh, quadrivium a good bit. We were, you know, friends were having quadrivium events. I think I can remember going to one Karen with Andrew in Texas down when you were, I don't know, Renee, if you were in Texas at that time, but we may have gone to the same event. Um, but, um, and, and Lee Borton's the founder of CC was also wrestling with the quadrivium holding quadrivium events as well. And so I was introduced to Stratford Caldecott's uh, beauty for truth's sake. And that uh, began helping me think a little bit more about the um, nature of math and the ideas of math. And, and that when I say I'm not a math person or a, or I am a math person, just because I'm an engineer doesn't mean I'm probably the fullness of a math person. Um, I, I may be a reduced kind of math person. I might be somebody who's efficient with utility, but I may be somebody who can't appreciate a cathedral and all of the beauty inside of a cathedral because of the careful measurement and proportions and, um, and things there. And so the, you, you could be a math person and not know it. 
especially if you appreciate beauty. Um, so, um, so beauty for truth's sake help, I think was another one for, for my journey that, that, um, you know, gives me, gives me a little bit more of a soul back, you know, gives, enlarges my soul anyway. Do you have any, um, ideas or can you help, um, as people look at curriculum Mm. and are trying to decide what to use? So, you know, here we are, it's June, um, yeah. but school mm-hmm. year's coming, and yeah. I know people have children going to the next grade, and they're looking for things. So, of mm. course, it's too big a question to ask about particular curriculum, but what should people look for in a curriculum? What makes mm. it what makes it um, usable? What, I don't know, what are some of the... Um, mm ideas that people need to be looking for Uh, maybe i'll try for three i'll try for three ideas okay i'll give it a try if i repeat myself you all can tell me it's invalid and i have to come up with another one Um, (laughs) so probably the first thing is is your child that's you know 10 to 11 and under um you can really discourage them from math by sitting with worksheets too long too young um, and to instill the wonder out of math. So I would just have a really heavy caution with sitting down five days a week with um, a math curriculum that is moving through. This is how you count the days on the calendar. And this is a dime and this is a nickel and this is a measuring cup. Um, I would do what we had talked about, um, what you were talking about, Karen, what, you know, Renee, I know you're a baker and a cook, you know, in the, in the kitchen, just enjoy seeing that there's proportions to things. Um, there's patterns to things and, help them to develop a wonder about those things. That's the best math math, math preparation um, for, um, for enjoying the math later to come, the geometry to come, the algebra to come, the if I don't know something, um, how do I find out an unknown from what's known? Well, that's what algebra, algebra is this kind of fun, fun hide and seek that you get to find out what's unknown from things that are known. And that for the human soul, I think is, is very important just that they, they have a sense that they can know things and that, that they, they can find out and know, um, know and learn things. Um, because there's a lot of joy there. So I would say, be careful of, of burning them out with a workbook or sheets too young, um, enjoy the natural world and do those things. Second thing is as a mom, Grow and learn yourself. If this is just an area of fear and terror and like you have night sweats, you know, and you have like these strange <laughs> dreams that are, um, you know, uh, these strange dreams at night that, you know, you know, there's workbooks flying around and, and clocks and calendars and stuff, um, you know, kind of give yourself a break and and find find a book, uh, find a friend. Um, my girlfriend and I used to sit by the pool during the summers or go to the park in the summers and we would read and talk about something that we were learning. And uh, so just, you know, uh, pick up, um, pick up a book. There's, um, there's, I don't really, um, yeah, I think geometry might be one of the, the most fun things to, to look at. Geometry to me brings a lot more together than say algebra, but um, algebra is a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just to have a conversation with a friend and then um Third might be just read. Um, I'm trying to think of the good stories that have math in them. That's kind of fun, like Phantom Tollbooth, where you get hungrier every time you eat because it's called subtraction soup. 
you know, that just develops some fun uh, imagination. Um, mm-hmm. a, a wrinkle in time feels like there was a lot of science and math kind of, com- you know, family ethos in there. And and so what are some literature books where you can just start, to, you know, cultivating this crazy mathematical imagination that, um, you know, could could just help the kids relax around math? <laughs> so yeah. and maybe mom, too. Yeah. What is your take on, um, I just saw recently actually on social media, a debate about the validity of teaching math facts, mm-hmm. memorizing math facts. Is it worthwhile mm-hmm. or not? I found teaching third grade. Mm-hmm. I found that they, they had fun reciting mm-hmm. math facts. And I also mm-hmm. felt like it, it was like a toolbox. Like you couldn't, you couldn't do long division if you didn't know how to subtract and multiply and divide. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, where do you fall in that debate or what, what do you suggest? Yeah, we, we definitely had the math facts. Um, we definitely had the flashcards with the addition, subtraction, multiplication, mm-hmm. division. We did those very regularly. Um, and we chanted skip counting. Um, you know, we, we just anything that kind of gave us. A, a, a hospitable entryway into playing with numbers um, in the memory, um, and, and again, I would I would supplement that with definitely literature and story and things that are wonder you know have wonder and and going out in the natural world. But it's fun to think, yeah, if 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 this if this particular thing we're looking at the natural world has a pattern of fours, what do you remember about the pattern of fours? Can you skip count your fours and let's see if we see that pattern. And it's readily available for them, um, you know, and they feel successful. And that's not necessarily worksheet driven. There's a lot of things that you can do with, yeah, kind of just mnemonics and enchanting um, and visuals and not necessarily always sitting down with the worksheet. But <clears throat> yeah, so I'm kind of I'm pro math facts. So, yeah. And patterns are so fun. I was very old when I realized <laughs> when I thought about, oh, Three times four is 12. Three times four is actually the same thing as three, four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so obvious, but it took me a long time to just get there. <laughs> well, and that just shows you the nature, the nature of learning. You, you circle back around and you see new things. That's always going to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. Go ahead, Renee. So I was just going to say, as someone who was raised on Saturday morning cartoons, um, multiplication <laughs> rock, I can still sing all the multiplication rock songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know my math. I made my kids, yeah, I made my kids watch Schoolhouse Rock. I had it on DVD. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, now we don't have a DVD player because uh, I've moved on because I'm a streamer. I don't even know what that really means, but it's, you know, I'm just trending, I guess, or whatever. But um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we, yeah, we did Schoolhouse Rock. I do too, Renee. I've got those stuck in my head for sure. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Well, Heather, thank you so much for for joining us today and for um, just showing us that I love your words of hospitality versus being an exile and an alien. And and I love the way you helped us to see that um, math is not something to be afraid of. I mean, as Karen's husband, Andrew, is fond of saying, it's not that we hate math, we hate not being able to do math. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you helped make math maybe a little bit more friendly to us and a little bit more hospitable. And I'm looking forward to digging into some of these resources you've mentioned. And we will put them up on our Facebook page in case someone didn't get a chance to write them down. And uh, people can get a hold of you. Um, I'm assuming, I think in your uh, email on the Cersei website under the apprenticeship area. Probably. 
probably so yeah, as a head mentor. Yeah, that would be great. And then um, I'm on Instagram, sort of. You know, I check it about every three <laughs> months. And um, and so yeah, I'm over there at H Shirley ninety one. I think on Instagram. And so every once in a while, I'll post what I'm reading or something like that. But yes, oh, I'm off of Facebook and other things. So. Yeah, well, join, the, join the head mentor, join the Cersei yeah, apprenticeship. Join the apprenticeship. Get to know how to <laughs> yes. Thank you for yes. being here with us, and thank you all for listening. And here's to home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.